Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thank you for listening. Any artist will speak to their art as an emotional challenge. It gives them a sense of catharsis and the hope of expressing an idea to their beholder. Myra Levick is a psychologist who has done a tremendous amount of good work, very good work over the years in art therapy, and she's very kind to spend some time with us today dealing with these things. I should also note that she is director of the South Florida Art Psychotherapy Institute. Dr. Levick, thank you for being with us. You're very welcome. My pleasure. What is the difference between just simple art and art therapy? It's interesting. There's several divisions within the field, and the field started in 1963. We're talking about, on one hand, art as healing, the idea of catharsis, the idea of expression without using it. But in art therapy, and I really was trained in the psychoanalytic milieu, we're talking about art as a means of communication in a therapeutic process. How did you get into art therapy as opposed to just standard verbal analytic work? I'll tell you real quickly. It was a deal. I was graduating high school in love with pre-med, and we didn't live together those days, if you remember, 1942. Okay. Yes, and so we made a deal. I would give up a scholarship to art school. I was an art major, and I would work while he was in medical school, and hopefully in the future he said he would send me back to art school. So 17 years later, three daughters, I went back to art school, got my degree in Bachelor of Fine Arts. I can see. And ready to graduate, and I knew perfectly well with three children and a busy husband, I wasn't going to go into a studio and just paint, even though I loved it. Accepted at Bryn Mawr for a master's in history of art and saw a little notice on the bulletin board. Psychiatrists looking for an artist to work with emotionally disturbed people in the first open unit in Philadelphia, 1963. I was fascinated. That got an interview, got the job, didn't have a clue. He said I was going to be an art therapist. He had read there were about a hundred artists like myself working in this country at that time. But in Europe, this had been going on for 50 years. And so I became an art therapist instead of an OT or instead of an activity therapist. And instead of the teacher in history of art, it was wonderful. And I was trained there, and that's how I got into art therapy. I think a lot of people have some difficulty, if they don't know about the field, in making, shall we say, the leap from understanding of just letting someone draw and for it to be a therapeutic expression. And I think part of the problem, I realize I'm asking two questions at the same time, is that most people think of the Rorschach. Yes. And that's interpretive work. When you sit down with a child or an adult, what are you trying to do? First of all, I'm going to do a diagnostic evaluation, and I'm going to work with the team. If it's an individual patient that's been referred personally, I will talk to them about why they're there and ask them to do some drawings about themselves. I have had a standard evaluation in art therapy for years, which we can talk about later, the Mercado, which I developed. Most art therapists use House Street Person or Warshock, and that doesn't make sense because the art is far more revealing. And so I asked somebody to draw their family, to draw themselves. It's a specific series of drawings, and I want to know about them. And then when we begin to meet, whether it's a child or an adult, I want to know what's going on. And when I'm guided by that person, we then will begin to draw something about what they're talking about. And so the drawing becomes an expression of an inner or outer conflict. 
for a minute or out of problem. It's not a simple matter of looking at a picture and coming to some sort of diagnostic impression yeah. without knowing something about the dynamics Absolutely. of the person. One of the things that I learned that I was working at Albert Einstein Northern was to look at the picture like a dream awake. There is a manifest and there is a latent. They are telling you what they think consciously, and then you facilitate their understanding of the unconscious, the latent content. This is not just having somebody draw something. And the art therapist, which I must stress, does not interpret the patient's drawings. The patient interprets the drawings. The patient is the one that will reveal finally. Sometimes in the session I've done, okay, that made you think of that. Could you draw that? We will have a series of four or five drawings till we get to the place where the patient will say, I know what's happening. And the processes for them to express and then lead into verbalizing yes. some conflict or worry or yes. whatever is that's going on. It's exactly it's modeled into the psychoanalytic a process of free association. But it's their free association in an image. Right. Yes. How young can you go with a child? Can a three-year-old do this? Can a six-year-old? Do they need verbal skills in order to also be part of this? I have worked with children as young as three. It's interesting that we had a resident who actually had a drawing from a two-and-a-half-year-old. It was really distressing because the child actually drew a penis. And we realized the child had been abused, but this was extraordinary. My grandchildren were all assessed at three and four and five. important thing about Dr. Strauss is that developmental stages in drawings so that I know where a child is both cognitively and emotionally. The book she's pointing to is entitled See What I Am Saying, which I think captures it. It's published by whom? Well, now this one was published way back and this is the revised copy, but that was not my first book. Okay. Yes. I assume this can be obtained through Amazon has it, but this book is Charles Thomas. I do recommend if anybody wants to get a better handle of this more than we can actually get to, unfortunately, because sure. of the time limitations. This is a very necessary part of psychotherapy. Why isn't it more widely used? Well, it's actually used very widely, but the problem is that we can't get licensing in the States. And so students coming out of the program, there are now 30 graduate programs in art therapy in the country. There is at Drexel University, which was where I started the first program at Hahnemann, which is now Drexel University, and it just went into a PhD program. It's always been on a graduate level, and the problem has been that to get licensing and to get third-party payment is very difficult. We'll not license an art therapist. They will tell you you have to be a counselor and so many of the art therapists and there are maybe a hundred in Florida maybe more will go out and get a counselor's license that's the problem we have not had good leadership and I must say that in getting us and good lobbying and so people don't know and suddenly when somebody discovers us I mean I had been working down here after I retired at so many different places because they wanted somebody to do art therapy. Is it a common assessment media? Would a good psychologist do a little bit of assessment in terms of art therapy when they're doing personality assessments and the like? No. I've worked for psychologists, and because of the licensing situation in Florida, I had no intentions of doing private practice. My institute was set up to supervise and consult and provide lectures, which I've been doing for 40 years here. I've been called by psychiatrists and psychologists to work with patients that they have referred. So this is another form of psychotherapy. Absolutely. An art psychotherapist in my institute is art psychotherapy. There are some art therapists. Unfortunately, when the field was established in 1968, some people just wanted to have people draw. They felt 
healing that you mentioned in your introduction, that that was sufficient. But there were many of us who did not feel that way. And so there is a, a division within the field itself. How does someone decide to go into art therapy versus another modality? What would make someone a good candidate for art therapy? They're having trouble verbalizing, or they're being very resistant. I've had many patients referred because their patients were not responding to verbal psychotherapy, and they felt that it could be much more beneficial to have them draw. Working at Hahnemann, I used to get all the artists that came in for therapy, so they would do much better in art therapy. Having someone who is having difficulty expressing themselves, children who aren't very skilled in verbal communication do extremely well on imagery. Is it something that's done on a weekly basis? Is it done for a couple years? Is there a, a rule of thumb time course? The process is the same as any patient that you would treat. You start off and you see how they progress. And in the therapeutic process, if they're doing better, you may start off once a week. If you're doing an analysis, you're, of course, you're much more than once a week but routine psychotherapy once a week, and you go. I never put an end to any kind of therapeutic process. The patient who tells me when they're ready to be done, and you know that. If someone has a thought disorder and they produce some very bizarre pictures, we've seen in the media, we've seen bizarre-looking pictures of monsters and horrific scenes, it's not appropriate for our therapy. That is. I've worked with schizophrenic patients as a director of three programs, music, art, and dance therapy. On a graduate level, I was given the opportunity to work with many populations and learn and made sure that there was always supervision until I felt comfortable. But the important thing is that if a child is drawing monsters, but we have a schizophrenic patient that is seriously delusional. The important thing is to help that person realize they are in control of the image. They are in control of the thought, and by putting it on paper, they can see they have control. It structures it. Yes, it can change it. They are making it, therefore it comes from them, and they can get rid of it. They can make it look different. They can do anything they want with it. Is there a rule of thumb again? to use the phrase, is there a sense that someone should keep their drawings somewhat of, of a therapeutic diary? Oh, I always keep the drawings and bring them out frequently to show a patient as we progress, particularly when there is a, a marked change. Seriously disturbed schizophrenic woman. She was she had been in remission, doing very well, and then had a remission. She was admitted in patient unit, and the student came over and said, I can't work with her. She's too difficult for me. We all need you to come over. I went over and I sat with her and she didn't want to draw. And she told me she couldn't draw because if she put something on paper, it was going to put everybody on fire. This was her delusion. So I said, I'm not afraid. And I put a line on the paper. I said, see, I haven't burnt. And you put a line on the paper. At the end of the week, she was able to draw a face because I was there saying, I trust you. I'm not afraid of you. Nothing's going to happen. You imagine it's going to happen. It's in your mind, but you can control your mind. And then gradually she was able to work within the unit, go to group therapy, go to art therapy sessions with groups, and begin to function. Do you use other mediums other than, than drawing? Can you use sculpting? Absolutely. Use sculpture. I've done things like using music before I was training. Music therapists, I was using records and music and having people draw to music. So it seems that a lot of this is also similar to good psychotherapy, people learning that it's safe to express and share their emotions. Absolutely. And then to go through the process of understanding them to a degree or how to control them if they're out of control. Yes. One of the things that we've also learned, and I had a, an assistant that was just wonderful, we had a young woman who was abused by a stepfather. 
and she had vicious, violent thoughts about hurting him in return. And our, my young assistant said, okay, let's hurt him on paper and see how you feel. And it was. And she hung him on paper, talked about it, and my assistant, she was amazing, just said to her very quietly, see, nothing happened, and you can have all these thoughts, and you're not going to do anything. It speaks so much to the power of verbal interactions, personal interactions, and not necessarily the quick run to take a pill for all this. No, it's not. Definitely not. It becomes a very, should become a very intense therapeutic relationship. When you were in England, you worked in Anna Freud's clinic. Right. What was it like being around her? Well, actually, the question is a little bit backwards. The reason I went to the clinic was that I had always become a full professor with a master's degree in Harlem Medical College before Drexel took over. And I had always taught the psychoanalytic theory because I had been trained, and I felt that every other theory in psychotherapy emanates and evolves out of basic theory. So that was always the curriculum in the first year of our program, two-year program. And so I was teaching, and I had the idea I had developed criteria for identifying ego mechanisms of defense and images. I had developed criteria for learning disabilities, and I decided I wanted to illustrate Anna Freud's book. And I told my chairman we had a connection with Miss Freud. She was always short of money, and so we would send students for a year, and she would get the tuition. And I thought, I wanted to illustrate the book, and he turned around and said, great idea, Myra. Go get your PhD, and I'll get you permission. It's a wonderful dissertation. I'll even send you over on a sabbatical to work with her. Well, you know, it was a while before I recovered, but I did go for my PhD, went to Bryn Mawr, got accepted to my surprise, and told the chairman there, my original intent was simply illustrate emotional development. The chairman of the department at Bryn Mawr said, what would I think about including cognitive development? I thought that was a great idea. It is. And so I thanked her profusely for putting that idea. So my dissertation is a book, my first, which came out in 1983 and is still being used by students all over the country. Working there was validating. She was wonderful. She was 83 years old. She came up to my shoulder, drove a huge limousine. The clinic, by the way, was in the house where Sigmund lived when he came back to England in Hampstead. And a wonderful, wonderful staff. It was based on a Montessori daycare program. Technically, she did not have many disturbed children. Her interest was in keeping normal children and studying them for her profile on normal development. She had meetings three times a week. Everything they did had to have a purpose typical of Montessori, but it was wonderful. There was even, when I was there, there was a young woman from Italy who was training to be a Montessori director of a daycare program, and the staff meetings work with one child, work about one child, and I was invited to all the meetings. I was called the art lady. I was free to work and draw with all the children, and she knew why, exactly why I was there, that I wanted to illustrate her book, and the staff was very supportive. And it was really an incredible experience. It, it must have been fantastic. Let's jump to something very pragmatic in a daily manner. In your book, you talk about methods for a parent to get a sense that their child is developing normally. Is a child in good emotional health? Elaborate on that. Parents want to know this. Is that part of the Lakata experience as well? When I did my dissertation, I developed charts. And that is what the Lakata was based on years later. The charts look at cognitive development based on Piaget. 
artistic development based on Kellogg. There was literature. I was not reinventing the wheel in that last respect. And so I compared, and then I looked at drawings, milestones and drawings. And if all those things, and one of the important points that Anna Freud brings out is that if someone is developing normally, the domains will be parallel, both cognitive and emotional. They will develop in a parallel fashion. If there is an inconsistency and you see cognitive soaring ahead and emotional development, which you can tell from the drawings, if a figure is distorted, if a figure is monstrous, as you suggested, then you can see that there are problems emotionally, whereas a drawing is well put together. For example, I had a young sixth grade in testing and doing a normative study. Her first drawing was a free drawing, and she drew pit bulls beautifully, fifth grade, drawn beautifully. The last drawing of the family was a picture of her and her mother looking like someone that was five, six years old that had done it. Inconsistency. There was a serious emotional problem related to the relationship between herself and her mother. The pit bulls and the way she drew them were beautifully drawn. Very, very well done and very angry, but well drawn. And an insight. The insight that I got from the counselor, because I was not treating this child, I was simply given permission to do the assessment for my normative survey. I spoke to the counselor, a very disturbed home life, no father, mother and child, and this counselor herself had suggested that the child go to some kind of trade school. She was going graduating elementary school. I was horrified. I made a recommendation that the child be given some psychotherapy and be helped, and that the family be helped also. And the counselor reported me to the head of research at Palm Beach County School District, and he promptly wrote me a letter and said, fine, you're doing great. Go ahead, forget it. But it it was unfortunate. I had one that was one of three children I found disturbed in, in my study. This is also very critical to understanding the life of a child or the life of anybody. And we don't use it properly because I think people don't understand it. They may dismiss it. They really don't grasp the rich data that you can get about a person from looking at their art. Dr. Strauss, I never cease to be amazed and in awe of what somebody communicates in an image. It's incredible, it truly is. And incidentally, with a child, I will never treat a child without having first the family, the entire family, come in and do an analysis on the family. That's necessary. Absolutely. You you need that database. Absolutely. And very often, you know who ends up in therapy? The family, not the child. right. Or the old notion of the identified patient and who really is the identified patient. That's right. The patient is the one that takes the burden of the family problems, especially a child. And we see it over and over again. I've been fortunate. In 40-some years, you ask a question uh, when we spoke that do people resist drawing? I've had two people resist Amazing. Myra Levick is a psychologist who has taken us on a fascinating and brief tour, but a good tour, comprehensive tour of work in art therapy. She is the director of the South Florida Art Psychotherapy Institute. If you go online, you can take a look at some of her books. It's well worth your time. Dr. Levick, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me.